Um, it is my wonderful privilege this morning to, to share a message of hope. My name is Jean Peters and I'm part of the, the eldership. And this morning is our Social Responsibility Sunday. It's a message that's close to our hearts, but it's also part of our Every Nation mission statement. And I would like to, like Dip is asked, who, who would like to share that mission statement? <laughs> if, if we have the, the confidence to come up and help me to share it quickly. No, I'm just joking. But, so our mission statement is we exist to what? To honor God. Okay. And how do we do that? By establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. Socially responsible. And it's so beautiful how the one action flows into the next. If we honor God, it flows into accepting that we need Jesus. It's when we, we admit that we have this prompting, this, this unction in us, this this God-shaped void within us to, to glorify God, to worship God, to, to reflect His character, that we, we come to the realization that Jesus is the, the only way, He is the truth and the way to the Father. And, and we cannot come to the Father to a restored relationship without Jesus Christ. It's then that the Holy Spirit starts empowering us to, to bear fruit. That glorifies God and reflects His character. And we cannot help to become socially responsible. So this morning we're going to look at why do we need to be socially responsible, what it means, and who needs it. And then what would we like to see the outcome is of us being socially responsible. Last Sunday, for those of you who were here, we had a bit of fun and games after the, the service. Where the, where the parking area became a bit of a marshland. And some unsuspecting drivers got, got stuck so deep in the mud that the, the cars were actually on the axles so deep in the, in, the, in the mud. And with no way out, getting out by themselves. And it, and it took some, some volunteers that was willing to get dirty to walk in the mud and use their tools and their, their equipment and they're towing ropes to try and get that person out. And now there was, a, there was an Amarok, there was an Everest, there was a, a Toyota Hilux, and there was a Land Cruiser. And I know the, 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 the Toyota owners are probably going, it must have been the Everest, it must have been the Ford. And the Ford owners are probably going, no, it must have been the Amarok. And the Amarok owners are probably saying, it must have been both. <laughs> All right? <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, Every, every car, every mate got their chance to be stuck in the mud, so deep. And it took a collected effort of everyone involved to make sure that those who were stuck get unstuck. Now the thing is, in life, we all have been stuck and we all get stuck in life's mud. And maybe you're feeling so stuck in the mud at the moment that you, you don't know how you're going to get out of it. And, and you're waiting for someone to say, you know, because the thing is, we could have stood here on the edge and cheered the person on that, that, that was stuck, and we could say, hey man, have heart, you know, you'll, you'll make it, just, just make sure you, you know, put on the diff lock, you know, get some momentum, Renee was maybe one of those, but it took a collected effort of someone saying, listen, I'll get dirty, and I'll use it. 
but there are also the volunteers needed to, to, to encourage those that are willing to get themselves dirty. So, so, but the thing is, life's mud. We've all been there, and some of us might be in life's mud at the moment. And other than, than the, the, the emotional dent it might have left on the person that got stuck on his ego and his confidence, life's mud leaves us um, not only with emotional hurt, but, but physical also sometimes. It, it leaves children fatherless. It, it makes a wife a widow. It oppresses the poor and it marginalizes uh, people based on their social standing and their ethnicity. It comes from hell itself, the father of all lies, Satan himself, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And it all seems very gloomy, indeed, does it not? But, and it is gloomy. If we, as a body of believers, if we don't do anything about it, if we say, listen, we'll, we'll cheer you on, but we're not willing to get ourselves dirty. If we're not use. If we're not willing to use the, the gifting and the calling and the resources that God has bestowed upon us to make sure that we use that to get close enough to those that are stuck in the mud, ultimately being so close to them, being able to share the gospel. Because yeah. we can help and we can give and we can do all these wonderful good deeds. But if, if they don't get to know the truth, the absolute truth, they will die without knowing the truth. And their life will be miserable again. So we must use the gifts and the calling God has placed on us, this biblical mandate to make sure that we, we do get dirty ourselves and then be able to share the gospel. So looking at a few questions this morning, and I'm going to do it a bit different. We, if, if you have your Bible open with you, please keep it open because we're going we're gonna to look at a few scriptures to answer the questions that I've spoken about um, so the first verse that I'm going to read, or the first piece of Scripture, comes out of Zechariah chapter 7, verse 8 to 12. So if you have your Bible, you can read with me. But before we do that, let's just, let's just pray. Jesus, thank you for your word, Father. And Lord, um, help us this morning to, to understand your truth and the biblical mandate that we should care for those that are in desperate need, Father, just as you came for us that needed um, help and justice, Father, you came and you um, accomplished that for us. So help us, Holy Spirit, to understand what you are saying to us this morning. Amen. So just a bit of background on the book of, of, of Zechariah. Um, Haggai, the prophet, encouraged the returned Jewish exiles to rebuild the temple, but it was Zechariah that encouraged them to repent and renew their covenant with God. Now, this was about in 516 B.C. Zechariah accused them of doing the very things that their ancestors had done before them, before their exile. He was concerned about social justice for widows, orphans, and foreigners. So we're going to read from verse 7. It says the following. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard. 
lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by the Spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. May not this be written of us as a congregation, as individuals. Luke 4, 18 to 19, you can turn to, to Luke 4, 18, and we're going to read what Jesus said. Jesus said the following, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As I see it, we can, we can either be socially responsible and we can adhere and we can open our ears and our hearts to the school of being socially responsible, or we can be socially awkward. What does socially awkward mean? It means causing difficulty, hard to deal with, or causing a feeling of uneasiness, embarrassment, or inconvenience. Man, it's inconvenient to, to get myself dirty in that mud and walk into the mud, or, or help someone that's in, 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 in a desperate situation. It's, it's not comfortable, and sometimes we get embarrassed ourselves by doing it. But boy, it's so needed, and, 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 and Jesus commands us, God commands us in His Word as a biblical mandate to say, listen here, it's time that you get dirty. Show me your faith, I'll show you my action. The reason why we prioritize social responsibility because it is the character of God. And if we are meant to reflect the character of God through Christ, then we should reflect it the way that Jesus did it. God is all-powerful, but He uses His power to to benefit the weak and the marginalized. If we follow Jesus, we cannot help um, share this good news, this truth, this, this gospel. But again, as I said, we need to get close enough to the people. And Dippies, I think you also mentioned it. We need to get so close that we actually can share the good news, that there is hope. Apart from the hardship of this life, there is good news. And that is eternity. And therefore, we can rejoice in this. Okay. So the widow, the orphan, the foreigner, the poor, and the oppressed. The Bible clearly identifies these five groups of vulnerable people as the special recipients of our social responsibility mandate. Okay. So the Bible makes it very clear for us indeed. Therefore, we want to be strategic, strategically, purposefully, responsibly align our social responsibility efforts to care for these five people groups. So intentionality. We need to be intentional in the way that we reach out and then with the goal of saying, yeah, but you know, I'm doing this because I've seen the love of Christ. So it's a natural outflow. Our social responsibility should be a natural outflow because we behold Jesus Christ. And it should become natural. And I know, you know, it can be, become awkward when we speak about these things because you might sit and say, yes, I mean, money is probably going to come up some other time. <laughs> but that's the, the currency we, we use also to help those in need. Okay. And Jesus said we can only serve one master. Okay, so, so that being said, how, how can we help? Let's get practical. Let's, let's get ourselves dirty. Question number two. 
how can we help? So we believe that there are three primary ways of helping. Um, the first one is relief. Okay, so here we stop the bleeding. It's because of a crisis. If we think about the, the floods in KZN um, over the last few weeks, uh, there was a crisis. If you think about the pandemic, people might have lost their jobs. Or think about a person whose house burned down. They need immediate help. They need food. They need clothes. They might need transport. They might need money. They might need uh, a new job. So it's immediate relief. Okay, the primary relational dynamic is a provider-receiver dynamic where assistance is given to or done for the materially poor. Okay, so that is where we're giving with generous hearts. That's the first primary way that we can help. The second primary way that we can help is through rehabilitation. Helping people to get back to their pre-crisis quality of life. For example... The help, to help someone find a job, um, here the relational dynamic transitions from doing for to, to doing with. Okay? So again, using the example of people getting stuck in the mud, we have, to, we have to go and we have to help them, be with them, walk with them. The third one is development. Uh, Where a person's materially poor, not because of, of a crisis, but maybe a lack of education or, or skills. And here it is important that we might become the source where we can help them to acquire that skills, where we can, where we can um, use programs to, to educate them. Um, I think um, if our company, for example, can, can start an education program and, and, and draw people in, send a lesson here in the financial industry, so this is what you have to study, but us providing the finances for them and the opportunity to, to do that. So that is the, the development um, step. So just again, to summarize, uh, the relief option, the re rehabilitation, and then development. Okay. So we move from giving to doing with and then walking with. It's important. Doing, giving, doing, walking with. Okay. Then the third question that I would like to, to look at this morning is, is what do we want to be the outcome? And I would like you to turn to Acts 2, verse 40, 42 to 47. And I just love the book Acts because it, it ultimately helps us to get our act together, okay, which we, we all need So if we think about Acts. Okay, so let's read from verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul. We exist to honor God, and that, that unction in us, that, that need to, to, to honor God, should lead us to the awe of God coming upon us. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. All who believed had all things in common. Can I say it again? They had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with 
the people. What's so amazing about this is the, the awe that came upon every believer. They were rejoicing. They, were, they didn't mind to, to sell stuff and, and share belongings because they had this common goal of glorifying Jesus Christ. So it wasn't even a question for them to, to do this. And the Lord added to their number day by those, though, those who were being saved. And this comes after they had favor with people. And it doesn't say they had favor with believers. They had favor with people. So that means they had favor with the community. So if the natural outflow of us following Jesus, and this all within our hearts for, for God, leads us into action to be socially responsible, it should lead us to have favor with, with the community because they see, yeah, but what makes these people different to, to, to the world? They're giving their practical help and walking with people ultimately brought glory and honor to God and they had favor in the community, which is so beautiful. And, and that, was just a, that was just fruit bearing. It's not as if they went out and with, a, with a goal of saying, yes, I want some favor with the community. How are we going to go about it, brothers? No. They had favor with the community because they were bearing fruit, because they were glorifying Jesus. The vulnerable will help out of life's mud by believers getting practical, getting themselves dirty with one common goal, the glory of Christ. You know, and I, and I, and I read this, and, and it's as if the Holy Spirit just puts this question on my heart, so... So why don't we see more of this in, in our churches today? Anyone willing to give an answer? <laughs> it's, not a, it's, not a easy, it's not an easy question, but the reality is, um, and, and, I, and I keep praying into this, and, and Matthew 19 came up, where the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good works must I do to have eternal life. And, and Jesus said, he responded by saying, why do you ask me about what is good? Only, only God is good. And Jesus said, keep the commands. And he said, but I, but I have. And he, and he mentions that I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. You know, checklist, Woo. I've done this, I've done this. I went to church today, I went to the connect group. Man, I'm, I'm feeling good. And Jesus looks into his heart and says, all right, I hear you, but all you have to go do is sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And what Jesus is basically saying, listen, yeah, there's, a, there's a different master in your life. There's something, there's something that withholds you from following me wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. And the result is, if we don't follow Jesus wholeheartedly, there will always be something more important than for us to, to rather than being socially responsible. It might be money, like in this, this example. It might be time. It might be your work. It might be sport. All the self-life things. Okay. Last year, uh, I want to share something personal. Last year, when, um, I think it was about the beginning of last year, we were, we were praising and worshiping, and um, as I was singing, I, I just felt this, this conviction in my heart, the Holy Spirit asking me, so John, if, 
if you really trust me, will you, can you commit to, and listen, this is what the Holy Spirit laid on my heart, so I'm not saying this is what you should go and do. You need to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit lays on your heart. Okay, so just, just for, to get that clear. So, and the, and the, and the Holy Spirit said, so, John, can you trust me that you can start giving more than what your monthly expenses are? No ways, no ways, no ways, no ways, no ways. Jesus, there's no way. <laughs> and, and as I was saying that, Jesus said, yes, you're right. You can't, but I can. And, and you know, I said, yes, Jesus, all right. Maybe I'm not this month, but maybe, <laughs> maybe next month. Or the, or the month after that, or maybe next year. And, and the Holy Spirit said, John, start giving more every month. And for the last year, by the grace of God, I've been able to, to give more every month. And the fact is just how obedient are we when the Holy Spirit shows us there's something that withholds you from following me wholeheartedly with 100% of your life. Fully surrendering. And what... What is that, what, what God is showing you in your life? So in reflecting this morning, we need, to, um, we need to not only give, but we need to be willing to get ourselves dirty. We need to, to make sure that we use the, the talents and the resources and the, the gifts God has given us to, to help, intentionally help. And then the results will come, the outcome will come by itself. We will start bearing fruit without even trying. But the other thing also is that, that I realize is if we don't behold Jesus, He's the author, He's the finisher of our faith. If we behold Jesus and we look at Jesus the whole time, all these other things should come naturally. But if there's something that withholds us from following Jesus wholeheartedly, the, the social responsibility part and the other fruit bearing might not come at all. So we need to be obedient and we need to, when the Holy Spirit shows that on our hearts, we need to, to repent. Okay. So in concluding and reflecting this morning, what will be the cost in 100 years from now if we neglect this calling? If we don't care for the widow, the orphan, the foreigner, the poor, and the oppressed, what happens to the next generation? And if our church... Had to close today, this is a beautiful question, um, close today, would the community be the ones fighting to keep the doors open? This is, this is so critical. Would the people, the poor, the oppressed, will they come fighting for us to keep our doors open? And, and the last one, the last reflecting question is, what will, the out, or what will our community look like if we take up our calling of serving and loving vulnerable people. And I, I can almost guarantee that it will look like that what was written in Acts. If we have one common goal and we work at it wholeheartedly. Let's close our eyes. Jesus, thank you for, for your word this morning. Thank you that you set the perfect example and and Holy Spirit, I ask that you will really help us and keep convicting us this morning that we will not only hear this message and go away and, and not think about it again, but help us, Father, to really see your heart in this, Father. And then as we intentionally reach out to people, Father, to share the good news, the truth, 
the living hope, Father. Lord, I praise you. I love you, Father. And keep transforming our minds, Father, that we will be able to discern your will, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Thank you.